0: hello 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 welcome back to the reclaim podcast i am your host whitney elise just a black girl out here trying to help everyone do better including and especially herself hey guys welcome back to the show or if you're new here hi hello and welcome thank you to everybody for your super kind very beautiful wishes of for a joyful birthday. I am officially 39 years old. I know your black history fave. (laughs) Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. But um, seriously, like, for everyone who sent kind words and for, you know, everyone who sent gifts, like y'all are just so sweet to me. And I sincerely appreciate that. I had a really great birthday. Um, The folks in my house make everything every day just so, so beautiful. But then they just, they outdid themselves this year and my friends like, Oh, I like, I love each and every one of y'all. Like, thank y'all so much. Um, I don't have any personal like news. Um, but I'm excited for this week's episode. I have two interviews that I'm really excited to share with you. Um, as this will be the last, uh, podcast episode of black history month. I just wanted to close it out with a few things. Uh, But before we get to that, let's talk about last week's, well, not last week, the week before last week, because we took a break last week, uh, episode called what WTF Grammys. Y'all know what I talked about. (laughs) I talked about that show. I talked about them people. I talked about how they just throw the top honor at a certain other person. And I'm not saying that that other person does not deserve that honor. But um, when you give that person this honor over and over and over again. And this person has outpaced people like James Brown, Stevie Wonder, Aretha Franklin, you know, your faves, fave, you know, that says something. So I'm going to leave it there. Y'all can go back and listen to that episode. Um, This week we have a lot of things to talk about before we dive into these interviews. So let's get to it. Let's get to these church announcements. Hit it Earl.
1: Let the people of the reclaim say amen.
0: Glad to be here. Say amen again, and say amen one more time if
2: you really like the show.
0: We're glad that y'all are here today, and these
1: will be your church announcements.
0: So, West Virginia has decided that it's getting, it's going to advance a bill that would criminalize librarians who let children have access to queer materials. Oh, materials that they deem obscene. Let me just say this. M- they deem it obscene. It looks like a direct attack against uh, books about queer characters or written by queer authors. Uh, because, but because the, the delegation of obscene is so vague, it is created to cause confusion. Like these are the types of things that are created to cause confusion. Um, also remember that folks who delegate folks who legislate like this don't have re don't have the solutions for the real problems that Americans face. Right? So Americans are right now facing a lot of issues. Like we're looking at our infrastructure. Hello, the collapse of AT and T this past week showed us how delicate our systems are. Um and two years ago with Southwest communication being shut off for a few hours, like, these are infrastructure problems that we shouldn't be experiencing in allegedly one of the greatest countries in the world. And yet here we are struggle bus. Um, We still have mass shootings randomly happening because we have easy access to guns, but not easy access to mental health, Uh, but um, mental health professionals, um, not the actual mental health professionals, but like, you know, people can't afford it. People can't afford it. Um, We still have our healthcare system is in crisis because this pandemic is not over. People want to eat every day. And that is apparently an issue because, you know, wages have not increased. Cost of living has increased. Uh, housing has increased. But guess what hasn't increased uh, in a lot of places like my home state currently um, is the minimum wage. Um, you have a lot of CEOs now across multiple organizations firing, doing mass layoffs, um, But it's been proven through some really great journalism how that is actually increasing money for the CEOs, uh, which is so disgusting. Uh, We have the criminalization of homelessness. We have a bunch of issues, basically. We have a bunch of issues going on. And what these folks would rather legislate about is do gay kids and not gay kids get to read queer materials or not? Because that's obscene. Meanwhile, I could point you to some things in, you know, the holy scriptures that these Christians love to tell. And we read the Bible. We are Bible believing people. Yeah, there's some stuff in that book that I don't want my kid to see yet. <laughs> Not till they are of age and can handle it because there's some things in that book. And I'm saying this as a, a minister's wife as a, and as a Sunday school teacher. Whew, some of that stuff is obscene, too. Now, do I love Jesus? Absolutely. This has nothing to do with my love of Jesus, but you get the point. The point is like, because it's so vague, what you're going to see is rather than folks wanting to, you know, potentially spend five years in jail, because that's part of this legislation that librarians, instructors, educators can spend up to five years in prison or face fines of $25,000 or both. So rather than do that what you're going to see is the disappearance of these materials because they just don't want to disrupt they don't they don't want to get in, they don't want to get in trouble right for having these materials available um and potentially face litigation which is in, in, in essence a book ban in essence a book ban um I would like to see how opponents of this fight back against it I saw something from the ACLU so I want to see what they do but I keep saying I keep pointing out the ways in which our stories our histories are affected so and the criminalization and the demonization of queer people um is obscene truly case in point point. and I, I feel I feel so I hate the way that I just segwayed segued into this, but, and there's no good way to segue into this, but I would like to send my condolences to the family of next Benedict next Benedict was a 16 year old gender nonconforming person um, who endured a horrific attack at the hands of three girls in the girls bathroom at their high school. The adults in charge didn't do the right thing by Nex by calling an ambulance for immediate assistance and, in fact, suspended Nex for getting in a fight. Meanwhile, Nex couldn't even walk, couldn't even walk to the nurse's office. That's how badly Nex was was beat by these girls. Right. Their grandmother came to pick them up. And. Less than 24 hours later, next is no longer here. The intentional removal of queer history, the attacks on queer history, the attacks on queer books and queer authors and queer stories, the attacks on queer healthcare, the attacks on queer existence is dehumanizing to the point where three children cuz these are all teenagers they're children three children took it upon themselves to quite literally beat another child cuz next was a child 16 years old beat a child so badly that they were unable to walk and the adults in this situation failed because nobody took a took a stand to call the authorities, who could have potentially saved Nex's life. So every time you see these attacks against queer books, queer literature, queer history, queer healthcare, queer marriages, queer families, every time you see those attacks, know that it is intentional, it is deliberate, it is for these type of outcomes and you can't tell me otherwise because what did you think? What did you expect would happen when you dehumanize these folks? What did you expect would happen when you criminalize these folks? What did you expect would happen when you deliberately challenge their exi- their right to exist? What do you think would happen? Right now I have a bunch of people in the comments of the video that I made about that. Um, didn't expect that video to go as hard as it did um I had literally just gotten out of the shower I was still in my robe um and I saw like I picked up my phone for whatever reason and I saw the report and I was like grieved and so I just went off the cuff and then I was like you can't just go off the cuff and just say these things you have to have like receipts because Mostly because bigots and trolls like to harass me, um, because the people who I'm talking to know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't need, I don't need a receipt, but I like to, I always like to have one. Um, and in that case I had like six different, six or seven different receipts, um, different articles, different publications that talked about the issues that I talked about in that 45 second video, right? right now I have a bunch of people in my comment section saying that I'm spreading lies about what happened to next. And I'm like, well, if you think that I'm lying, you provide a source. But why is it that we would rather attack the story of what happened to next rather than condemn the institutions that allowed what happened to next? Because it's this feels very reminiscent of Matthew Shepard. This feels very reminiscent. I grew up around the time... I was growing up around the time that Matthew Shepard was so violently taken from us, taken from this world. And I'm tired of these... These attacks on people who are just different. They're just different. Like, they're not any less of a human being. They're quite literally just different. It's bizarre. It's obscene. It's disgusting. And I wish... Nothing but peace and wellness um, to Nex's family. Um, I know that's a weird thing to probably say at this time, but I truly do wish them peace. I wish them peace in their grief. Um, I can't imagine what they're going through. It's horrible. Um, It truly, truly is. I I don't even really possess the words. Um, Let me yell at somebody else instead. Alabama's Supreme Court has just rule made a strange ruling. It's not strange in the context of things, but it's strange. They made a ruling that said that embryos and IVF are considered children. And some one of the one of the sitting justices mentioned something about the wrath of God, right? I'm confused now because I'm like, what does this have implications? What, what, what is the further thing about this? Like, do you want to shut down IVF in hospitals because that's what's happening, and people who are on that journey are now scrambling to try to figure out what they, what they can do um, with their embryos? People who want to have children and were on that journey now can't. Um y'all love to say the embryos and fetuses are our people and what does what what are the implications of that like two I feel like two years ago in fact yes two years ago when I talked about I feel like I've talked about this before um and I just pulled up the tweets it was in 2000 and um 22 when I talked about this I was like this has implications for so many different things it's like so if a immigrant is here and she is pregnant then does the person who she is carrying that that fetus that is a citizen of the United States, so you can't deport her you can't deport her right um what are the does that mean that uh, does that mean that child uh support needs to start being paid immediately at the point of conception um that puts you know those who are paying child support on the hook? Nine ten months earlier <laughs> than originally expected, um can we send pregnant people to prison because they're pregnant, and that would be um that would be unjust imprisonment, right because these are people, right? Do we now count people who are pregnant? do we count the people who they are carrying as part of the census like do we count these things it has further implications and this is why i said when i say that these people do not have the capacity to solve our problems this is what i mean because they would rather react to their own personal beliefs from whatever their faith is than really truly legislate because this is ridiculous this opens up a door for so many other things and it's just like, okay, so if a pregnant woman is driving alone in her car, can she use the POV lane? <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? There's so many other things that people, that pe- I feel like a lady actually got pulled over and that actually did happen where she, like, the, the officer asked her about it. She said, oh, I'm pregnant, so I have more than, you know, I have this two more than two people in here. <laughs> just saying. Um, these people don't know what the hell they're doing. They just, they... Quite literally do not. Um, oh, okay. Apparently there's a lot of people who are very upset about the Beyonce country songs and that she's going into her country, what appears to be her country era. Uh, which is weird to say because Beyonce was born in Texas, Houston, to be specific. She grew up with rodeo. She grew up wearing uh, cowboy boots. She grew up in that culture, in that lifestyle. Um, so she, it's, it's part of her right as an artist. She could tap back into that. But also I love how people, um, and when I say people, I mean, bigots are saying that it's cultural appropriation for black people to make this music. I'm like, we created this music. Don't you remember your own history? Of course you don't. This is why you're trying to Cancel history being taught because then it looks like you're the hero and you're the savior. Um, And so it's easier to erase history and lie than it is to tell the truth about history and be held accountable because black people created, created country down to the rhythms and the syncopations, all of that, all of that was our stuff. The banjo itself is a derivative of an African instrument. Um, And that music was so popular uh, with human traffickers, also known as slave masters, um, they would force the enslaved to perform for them. Then came the rise of menstrual shows, where that music gained incredible popularity. Menstrual shows, which was making fun of black people, making fun of the music that we make, minstrelsy, right? And that music became so popular that it be- it got rebranded as Country music, right? Like, surely you know this. Like, this is something you can Google. Like, this is not a foreign thing. And then bigots who tried to take over country music tried to write Black people out of it when we have quite literally created it. And so not only does Beyonce have the absolute right to produce any kind of music that she wants, period, because she's an artist, uh, but country music specifically because, like, that's her music. She's from Texas. She's from Houston, Texas. She grew up with this stuff. But not only that, black people can and have been producing country music for a long time. I fell down a rabbit hole about this. Um, I want to shout out Linda Martell. I want to shout out Rhiannon Giddings. I want to shout out so many others that I'm... Folks, I'm just learning about. Um, And I want to also put that with an apology because I'm just learning about them. And I'm like, I should have probably known about these folks. Um, But I'm truly grateful that they exist. And I'm truly grateful that their music exists. Beautiful stuff. Um, What else do we want to talk about? I don't want to talk about any of this other stuff. So let's get to these interviews. I had the privilege to attend a screening of Bass Reeves. Speaking of country music, let's switch over to, uh cowboy culture because black people were involved in that. Um David Oyo Oh shoot. I'm going to butcher his last name and I don't want to. Um cuz you know, I really do be trying to I really do be trying to respect people and I don't want to butcher it. Oyelowo. Oyelowo. David Oyelowo. I had the opportunity to meet him at a screening of Bass Reeves his show um that I'm just going to have to go ahead and pick up the streaming service for because this show was phenomenal. But also this man is brilliant. I had a chance to attend a screening of that with my husband. It was, it's a really good show. I've never really been into Westerns, but it's something about res. like, I don't know what's happening with me. (laughs) I don't know what's happening with culture, but like, I'm like, okay, let me watch. Let me see. Let me pay attention to this. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and, and, uh, play the clip of a portion of the interview I didn't get a chance to talk to him but I did have a chance to to meet with him and and chat with him um there was a talk back at the end of the first episode that we watched with NPR some folks from NPR and David Oyelowo so here's a bit of that
1: we like how on earth had Hollywood um, had the entertainment industry missed the opportunity to tell this story. It, it, when you read about him, it almost writes itself. I mean, so much of what you saw there in this first episode actually happened. And so um, for me, that's where the obsession began of wanting to tell to tell this story. And, um, y- you know, I-, I did a film called Selma, playing Dr. King as well, and uh, thank, you. thank you very much. Um, but had had a similar challenge with that, in terms of, when that first came into my world, I similarly wondered, is this gonna be the first time we're gonna center a film about Dr. Martin Luther King in the 50 years since he was assassinated? I didn't understand that. but. Similarly, here, I I, I couldn't understand it, but we went out with it in 2015 after it had been brought to me and um, We took it to every single studio and they They the the resounding statement was we we are not going to do this because no one is making westerns and then uh, two years later in 2017 we went out again to all the same players and they said we're not going to do this because everyone's doing Western. <laughs> and, and i thought this is clearly something else is going on here and, and you know i think the definition is clearly racism um and so for me uh it was just uh, uh, unacceptable and so that's why for eight years till now when we got it made i just refused to give up
3: well as, as we were talking earlier of course, we that's the that's the power once you become successful, which he certainly has as an actor, and develop a certain amount of power, he can push it forward. For years, nobody except maybe Sidney Poitier uh, had that kind of power. Things are changing, but not all that quickly. Um, OK, talk, if you will, about how, how, how it began. You wanted to do it with any kind of artistic license at all in terms of the story?
1: You always have to have artistic license, especially with the Western. Uh, there, there are a lot of um, books that chart what actually happened historically, but also with the Western, there's a, a lot of make-believe. There's a, it's, it's, it's a genre that is steeped in legend Um, One of the legends is that Bastries was someone who spat on a brick once and it split in two. Uh, (laughs) So we decided not to put that in the show. Um, But, uh, so I would describe this as historical fiction. You take, you know, there are so many things that, like I say, you saw today. He was enslaved, he did slavery and lived with the Native Americans for a time, which is where he accrued the skills he then Used as a deputy U.S. marshal, he did beat his enslaver almost to death. Um, you know, he, he did go on to do things you would see if you watch uh, some of the other episodes. George Reeves was uh, his 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 enslaver in the way that you see in this in this show. So we take those key elements, and then of course you have to fill in the lines um, around them. Trying to get into
3: the mindset of somebody who not only was a slave, but that was the way it had been for so long. It was just accepted as that's the way it is. Now, here you are, Oxford born, having OBE. Let's face it, your life has certainly been quite different from that. What did you do to get into the mindset of
1: somebody whose life experience was that? Well, that's the thing that um, I have found so um, rewarding about playing people like Dr. King or Bass Reeves. Like you say, my experience is quite different. But when you start to look at folks like Dr. King who suffered incredible amounts of racism, was fighting for injustice, someone like Bass Reeves who dealt with enslavement, being brutalized, knowing that there were generations of that, the notion is that they are quite different. They're actually not. Um, in in my experience of reading and 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 studying them, that self-possession, that dignity. You know, I come from a royal family in Nigeria, and there is a certain there is a certain thing that comes with knowing who you are, mm-hmm. and these men knew who they were despite all of that subjugation roots it's 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 almost at there is no way in my opinion you can go on to have the self possession that Bass Reeves had in spite of how ill-treated he was and his ancestors were without there being something of the divine in you and 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 that is something that fueled Bass Reeves. Um, He was someone who believed in justice. He believed in God. He believed that he was more than what he was being subjected to. And that's the only reason he could go on to be transcendent despite all of those things. And I gravitate towards those kind of characters because you can feel it. There is a reason why they end up being great. It's because the circumstances that are around them do not dictate to them who they are. And I truly believe that is a huge part of the African-American experience in this country. There is no way, there is no way that black people in this country could have survived, contributed, be as transcendent as they are in this country without that spirit, that drives through the subjugation, the oppression, the injustice. It's something of the divine. I truly believe this. Um, and uh, for me, Bass Reeves exemplifies that, and that's why he's a hero. You find that diff-
0: There was so much more goodness to that interview, um, but yeah. David Oyelowo is brilliant. Y'all need to go ahead and watch Bass Reeves. Uh, so good, so good. It was so good. Uh, he's so funny, he's charming. He's really smart, smart as a whip. Like, oh, uh, it was so good, so good. Um, the next interview I want to share with you guys is Veronica Chapman. For those who are unfamiliar with Veronica Chapman, she is a strategist, a brilliant entrepreneur, a problem solver, and the creator of Black Children's Book Week, um by the time you're listening to this black children's book week will be in full swing um show your love show your support however you choose to um support black authors support black writers support those who are supporting us um and so i had the opportunity to speak with her um and here is that chat (laughs) All right. We are with Veronica Chapman of Black Children's Book Week. How are you today? Hello. Thank you for having <laughs> me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. Like, Thank you so much for taking your time away from all of the efforts that you're doing. Um, Before we dive in, could you just give me a little bit of background about Black Children's Book Week, how it came about, um, and
2: your personal involvement in that? Sure. So, the bottom line is action, acting on ideas. So I have a company called Box Out where I design creative solutions for social change. And sometimes it can look like whatever I feel like could be helpful. So I used to do educational workshops for teenagers and I used to go to libraries and after school programs and do these really dynamic, engaging workshops around um like global awareness, entrepreneurship. And really I'm I'm all about like a and you know, affirming and inspiring um, children. But because I was working primarily with teenagers, some of the self-esteem that I really wanted them to have, yes, they got it, but I kept thinking like, how can they get this earlier? How can they really be proud of themselves, be proud of you know, their heritage their culture? And so I thought, oh, you know what's probably gonna be a good way to do that? Write a children's book. So like, this is like how I get even into children's books because I never had any aspirations of being an author. But it was more like, it's exhausting trying to go to all these places. I can be more effective in making sure that children believe in themselves by writing books that make them believe in themselves. So I started writing children's books and, um, well, now I have two. And while I was promoting my children's book, I kept meeting other Black authors who... um, had like really, really great great books. And this was before people were building platforms. So like before people would be like, go to my social media page or go to my mm-hmm. website. This is like back in the day where you, people just show up mm-hmm. with their books, you know, at the Harlem, you know, book fair or whatever. So, um, and I would often get this question, like, how do I discover other books with black characters? Mm-hmm. And something about me, I don't like having the same discussion more than once. Mm-hmm. And, and right, and I get really frustrated if, after five times of getting this question and I don't have a solution is my problem. It's my problem. If I don't have a solution Mm -hmm. and if I'm getting annoyed, it's also my problem (laughs) because Mm -hmm. you got to really believe that you have the power to do things. Right. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? I can't get this question one more time. I, I have to create this platform to make it easier to discover, you know, books of black characters. And that's when I launched um, a platform called black baby books. Primarily just because I was sick of getting this question and having Mm that, didn't have an answer. So I like launched it online. Then I built a website to aggregate books with black characters. And that's where I started sending people and promoting books of people I would meet. And um, eventually it got like a lot of following Um, and I was like, okay, you know, followers are cool. You know, I'm not. I don't. I don't really need like I. I validate myself, so I don't really need Mm -hmm. like external validation. So it's not like Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I got this many followers. That's not ever going to be my lead. Right. But I said, what can I do with these people? Like, Mm -hmm. we know they care about Black children. They care about Black representation. That a good percentage of them are, you know, Black children's book authors who publish books with Black characters. Mm -hmm. I said, and you know, all these holidays going around, like you know, Peanut Day and like. You know, oh, like yeah. socks day, like <laughs> left sock, right sock day. I was like, and then I, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know, there gotta be a black children's book week somewhere. Right. So I went to, I went to the Google and I said, Google, give me black <laughs> children's book week. And Google was like, we got nothing. I said, Oh no, no, you didn't hear me. Let me put the quotes. <laughs> Let me put the quotes around that. Right. <laughs> like
1: surely it, exists, it surely
2: exists. So I put it in with the quotes. Cause you know, that's like the B, be- the ain't all be all right. Yeah. It said, Sorry, sis. Yet again, we've got nothing for you. Do it yourself. So I Eventually. said, I said, okay, then well, looks like it's on me again to, to, to take action mm-hmm. around this thing that's missing. Mm-hmm. And so I knew, like, you know, I contacted like Sharnae Gordon a Here Reed, and um, one of my my spellman sisters, she founded this platform called kodogo to promote like um video content for black with black representation and i contacted a couple other people and i said hey i'm going to be launching this thing called black children's book week here's the logo because i before i even i was like let me contact this black illustrator who i like get her to do this logo so i had the Mm -hmm. logo and everything i said hey let me slide this to your inbox this one i'm about to launch you know like y'all want to help me push this out and they did and so basically um, it was one day I was like, okay, let's just push go on this. Mm-hmm. And I had, um, I hosted an online virtual like assembly and it was electric. There were like hundreds of people there from yes. the UK, from the US, from Canada. And while I'm giving this presentation of like what we're doing, why it's necessary, what it's going to look like the fact that it's collaborative, the fact that it's not centered in me, it's not centered in Black Baby Books, it's centered in this mission of raising the vibration in the world for Black children Mm -hmm. and using what we have to do what we can. So it was a really affirming, like activating force and people, it resonated really well with people because they were like, so you're telling me, right, Mm -hmm. that we can just take our little piece of this and do Mm -hmm. something aligned with this mission during this week in concert with people around the world in our communities and be part of this thing and take our piece of this thing. And I said, absolutely, because Mm -hmm. um, if it's not collective, we won't have the impact that's needed. It can't be centered in a person. It can't be centered in a platform. You have to own a part of this thing so we can have this impact. And um, what was amazing about this event, because I'm presenting, so I didn't see it all, but afterwards, girl, they were like, Veronica, did you see the comments? And I was like, no. So what ended up happening was like authors in DC were like in the comments, like y'all want to get together and do something. So out of wow. Black Children's Book Week came this platform called Black Children's Books DMV. They met at that virtual um, assembly and they've had like excellent events in DC wow. since. Then this other organization launched in Oklahoma as a result wow. of Black Children's Yeah, it's, it- and you know, that's some like, Telling people you gotta act on your ideas because you have no idea of the impact. And if you're somebody who's like about the work, see, I'm never, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not all about me. Like you know, I have goals. Around, oh, you said you
0: don't do this for play, play. <laughs> just
2: like you know, I don't, like you know, like yeah, yeah. You're not. No one's ever gonna be meet me and be like, she's so snobby. She all this, right. That's that's just not who I am. Like right. I'm about this work. I'm about doing what I can in this crazy world that has me sad mm. often. often. <laughs> because as someone who loves people, to mm-hmm. see what's going on is just devastating. But one thing about Black Children's Book Week, because I was like talking to an author who I met while launching this, and she is like, and I was telling her, I was like, you know, it's like really hard to launch the launch, you know, be leading something so joyful when mm-hmm. there's so much sadness and tragedy going on. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's just. Honestly, like, I've been, like, really sad in general. But the funny thing about that is when I launched Black Children's Book Week, I had just lost five members of my family. Jesus. So it was, like, over, like, a year. And I had spent, like, a year going from one hospital to the other hospital to the other mm. hospital so i i launched it while morning <laughs> anyway yeah. so it's like and she was saying she was like no but veronica it's a joyful thing and yes. we have to have balance in this world and yes. yes like you might be sad but you can't not keep You know, I I wasn't going to stop it, but, you know, I was just telling her it was like a little challenging. It is. It's
0: it's very difficult. I can (laughs) imagine.
2: Yeah. And she was like, nope, but we need this balance because in order to fight for what we believe in, we have to have joy, too. So shout out to (laughs) Fatmata. She's another author. And she was like, no, girl, we got this. We got you. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) No, I love that. I love that. That that call, that need that you decided to fulfill. For, you know, this void that a lot of us have been experiencing, like I'm a, you know, I'm a relatively new parent. And I remember I started collecting books for my daughter, like when, as soon as I found out she was coming. And it was just like, well, where are all the black books? And where are the black books written by black people? Because those are two Different things, which they I learned. Are. I said, "Wait a minute! You mean you can write about black? You could have blackness, black people be centered in a story, and it not be written by a black author, and we're all just okay walking
2: around with it like this?" Right, right. I just it it was it's, it,
0: it was baffling.
2: It it is it is very baffling, and you know I will say because of the you know the Black Baby Books platform, I guess you know my outlook is so. <laughs> it's so interesting because I see so many new books coming in. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm so glad that your baby will have so many options as she continues oh, to because it's like, mm-hmm. yes, there are a few people who are getting published by tra- traditionally published. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of authors. Mm-hmm. I call them like entrepreneurs who are taking, mm-hmm. doing the work, investing in great illustrations, investing in editors mm-hmm. and, you know, print overseas and stuff like that and it's so wonderful to see and I don't another thing that I've built um I built a black children's book museum in the metaverse and that's a mechanism by which I help fund black children's book week what? because yeah and so basically um sponsors so here's other thing about me I don't I I like to be creative and I don't really like doing average stuff I see so I, was, so I, <laughs> so I was thinking I was like you know when I was launching Black Children's Book Week, people were like, okay, what do you need? What do you need? And I was like, well, I definitely need money because I had to pay for legal stuff, like yeah. registering uh, trademarks and like uh, there's technology behind it. There's a platform that I built to um, so people can register the events they're having. So a collaborative mm-hmm. calendar. There's a lot of tech, te- technological <laughs> mm-hmm. stuff that I had to create behind the scenes that of course costs money. And I can tell you, the majority of the people who have founded this are Black authors. Black, I would say Black authors have probably, you know, they're probably like 90% of the people sponsoring Black Children's Book Week. And um, one thing I would say back to what I was saying about the museum is I was like, you know how you go to an event, right? And like, say your child has, um, their dance school has some kind of fundraiser Mm -hmm. and you buy like a half sheet, quarter sheet. Yeah. And I was like, I want to just be like, hey, you want to be part of this PDF? Yeah, that we send out to the mailing list. I was like, ah, that's kind of corny. Um, so I was like, could do better than this. Mm -hmm. So I found like an online platform where I created a museum in the metaverse. And when you you can go to the museum throughout the year, so the exhibits change every black children's book week. Mm -hmm. And so we have an opening this Saturday before the week starts, and you could come, you can see the books of the sponsors and you can buy it's clickable and shoppable so you can click on it and shop the books from inside the museum and we kind of like run ads to it all year so people can go visit that's amazing and and support but i'm saying that because this is the third year doing it and because i also you know do the museum i'm seeing all these books that i have never seen even having the black baby books platform like There are books I have never seen and they look so great. And I was just like, this is so cool because I'm meeting new people every year who I Mm -hmm. didn't know before. Um, So yeah, it's been great. And another thing, another shout out to Black authors is a percentage of uh, the money I raise for um, every year we do like a pitch competition. So my background, pitch means something different in publishing, but in, Mm -hmm. I, I call it author, entrepreneurship, you know, I've won pitch competitions before to fund ideas and Mm -hmm. you go, you pitch your idea and either the judges vote or the audience votes. Mm -hmm. So for the last two years, I've been taking some of the money I raise and we've given away um, $5,000 to black authors, indie authors who are publishing black children's books. And so basically people apply. and, And as long as they meet the criteria for, you know, a black author publishing black children's books, with black representation, um, then they enter like a randomizer and then certain people get selected to pitch and the people who attend the event choose the winner. So each indie author wins that, usually it's like four of them win $500 each. And $500 as an indie author can go a long way. Yeah, for, Cause a lot of it could investment in Amazon ads, yeah. which can be like 30 cents per click. Um, illustrations can mm-hmm. be, you know, so like, So I'm excited when I'll have the opportunity to do more, Mm -hmm. but I'm excited to do it again this year. So it's been really cool. It's been a lot of fun. There's been a lot of cool stuff to come out of Black Children's Book Week, and I'm really grateful for that.
0: It's super cool. It's so, so cool. Um, I want to take a second to pivot. Um, I was talking to a few folks about literacy in our our community, specifically the Black community, Mm -hmm. Um, because I was doing some research, and I learned that. Just reading aloud to your kid, because we just celebrated uh, World Read Aloud Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in our household, that's like a normal thing. Like every night, you know, she gets to pick out a few books. We sit and we read. And you don't think anything of it because it's part of the routine. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that reading aloud for just six minutes a day can reduce the stress in adults and children by 70%. I am like,
2: that. whoa. <laughs> like, I health, love that. Health benefits? Wait a minute. We so need to, we, we got to promote that some yes. more. Yes. Yes,
0: listen, and we will be. <laughs> yes, cuz I, I like I said I'm working on something that includes like all of these like stats and figures. Mm-hmm. But the problem that I um that I found I was actually reading this from the Hill. Um they said that 85% of our children lack proficient reading skills. And I was I was wondering if you've noticed that if you've seen that and if you've seen any any potential well, obviously potential benefits from Black Children's Book Week contributing to our community's increase in reading?
2: You know, I have noticed that. I saw Because I'm also an author, I do do school visits and I, um, I've um, i gone into a lot of classrooms. So you do see like, you know, some children are struggling to read. But Black Children's Book Week, you know, like it's interesting. There's also statistics that say like when Black children see themselves represented in books mm-hmm. that they're more eager like look at them and read them Mm -hmm. and and so like representation is so powerful in the sense that even if someone is a reluctant reader seeing someone who looks like them in a book will push them encourage them to at least try so i think you know this is the third year black children's book week i foresee a whole lot of great things coming out of this for years to come, especially since it's collaborative. And I do see, you know, Detroit Public Library, they have like five events on the calendars and like all these, all these, you know, libraries and youth organizations and authors are gearing up to do events with children. And so I do think seeing Black authors or inviting children into um expose them to black children's books will encourage them to want to practice this this thing called reading and it's interesting that you're asking me this because just this morning my um god sister was at a library event yesterday and she said it was wild because you know there were a lot of kids who it was you know they didn't want to read aloud or whatever and Mm. this one little girl black girl volunteered to read and she was so animated and excited that it got people around her like the kids around her excited about reading and so I feel like you know we have to yes like really focus on making sure that children have great books in which they are represented and then going forward also you know there are a lot of people, like a a lot of literacy organizations. So I believe like, if you don't have it, support the people. If you don't do it yourself, support the people who are doing it. Amen. So I would like to, you know, partner with more literacy experts um, who are focused specifically in how to help children learn to read. Um, Because it's not just, when we're thinking about children reading, we're thinking about little kids, but it's teenagers. Yeah. It's young adults. Yeah. So... I definitely want to be more intentional about um, collaborating to have like some sort of fun intervention mm-hmm. um, during black children's book week and beyond. Mm-hmm. With the, with the older children. Yeah. With the older. And the, I mean, the younger ones too, but it's, you know, yeah. so it's funny that you mentioned um, adults, because as someone who writes children's books, I thought I was writing for children, but it turns mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. that adults mm-hmm. <laughs> also, mm-hmm. Really, really love children's books because I swear they'd be buying them and don't give them to the babies. They're like, uh, actually,
0: <laughs> I'm like, my keep library, this for myself.
2: I love this one. But I love that you you said, you know, the statistic shows that it can lower sh- stress, right? Yeah, by for 70%. Adults, by 70%. And, I think and that's kids, something- and kids. Mm-hmm. I think that's something like we need to promote because the other thing, you know, people talk about like kids getting interested in reading it's when they see adults reading and you talk yeah. about how it's normal in your household. But I I know for sure that a lot of adults, they're too busy trying to survive. They don't have time. Hello. They don't, have, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. they don't have time. But a children's book is so short,
1: so relatively short,
2: short mm-hmm. and engaging that I think actually, you know, children's books are the best. Children's books are are, are such great tools. That's they a great really tool great to tools. address both those issues of, having it model, reading being modeled and lowering the stress of both the parent and the child in this stressful world. So, mm-hmm. I love that. I would love to work more on that. That's yes. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, you, uh, the, you the got my wheels benefits. turning now. <laughs> Listen,
0: me too. Because I'm like are there any other cuz like I saw this like in passing and I said, "Whoa, like you know how you save a mm-hmm. link that is something that you saw you're like I'm going to come back to that." Um mm-hmm. uh, because I'm like if that is a health benefit why haven't we talked more about the health benefits of just sitting down and reading? And you're, you're absolutely right. More adults are concerned with like trying to feed these children and take care of them and make sure that they're helping them like grow up. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's very, very, it's very interesting. It's very telling that, you know, you pointed to children's books as the solution. Like they don't have to read you know, war and peace, nope. <laughs> like, you know, we don't have to read all of these like big, heavy, hefty books to model what good reading and practicing that looks like, you know, for exactly. example, Vashti Harrison, uh, her book, Big. Came I love out that book. It's when I tell you it's sitting right here next to me, because I, love <laughs> that book. It, I promise you it was for my baby. I promise you I got it for my baby, but I mm-hmm, love Vashti mm-hmm. Harrison's work so much. <laughs> Shout out to Harrison. Shout and out to Listen, okay. And she signed it and I cried. Oh. Um, but like, I'm like, this is the book that I needed as a little kid. And you, what, what you said about representation, that matters so much. And like, we don't, t- like we talk about it, but I don't think we talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. If kids see themselves, they're empowered to do more of the activity where they see themselves. Exactly.
2: Exactly. It's because I know, like I said, being an author, going to when when I walk into the classroom, you would think I was Beyonce girl. Like you would think I, like they're information, They're ready. They're like, hold up. Like, cause I wear a mask though, cause that's me. So yeah, I mean, me they're too. like, yeah, I mean, they're like, okay, let me pull up my mask down. So you know what's real. They're like,
0: oh my gosh. <laughs> look at like
2: they get so excited. And that mm-hmm. it really, like, it really, you know, makes them interested in like becoming engaged and reading and challenging mm-hmm. themselves. And that's what I usually focus on, in, like author visits, but it's, it's amazing to see. Yeah. We can't underestimate the impact of black children seeing black authors.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very powerful. And, you know, I wonder if, if more children were exposed to that, uh, would these statistics change? You know, if more children even just, you know, not just, I'm not trying to reduce it, but even down to seeing your parent read something every day, seeing yep. your parent, like, just, you know, reading for pleasure, you yep. know, um, having your kid, you know, six minutes a day, like, about that like we spend more time scrolling on our on our
2: devices (laughs) we should girl we should do a six minutes campaign that would be cute
0: listen i would gladly share
2: it let me i'm doing it with you this is what i'm saying let's do it about that let's do it
0: let me get those stats let me get those stats together because like don't play with me because i will actually do that like six minutes a day what could you do in six minutes Uh, Would you like to reduce your stress by 70 percent? Would you Mm -hmm. like to reduce your child's stress by 70 percent? What could you learn? What could you what could you instill in six minutes? Like all the things that we do in six minutes and then imagine you're you're setting your child up for a a more a more literarily filled a made up a word it's all good it works
3: if, if talking is communicating world.
2: as long as you as long as the
0: thank person you. understands that's it thank you thank <laughs> you An- another communications person thank you mm-hmm. um but like what what could we do with six minutes and how impactful can six just just six minutes and if you could do it for six minutes imagine if you did
2: 12. Listen, <laughs> but you know what? But we're not gonna push them on twelve. We gotta sell them on six first. No, we gotta sell them on six. We gotta sell them on six because uh-uh. they're like, ah, they, like, uh-uh, they
0: gonna try to raise it to an hour. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, because like me personally, we do twenty here. But you don't think about tw- like you don't think about just twenty minutes and like right. all the things that you do in twenty minutes. Like, come on, girl. Like we run errands and like we do all these other things. But like the scrolling on the devices and like the 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 activities that we do that aren't necessarily productive like yes you do need to rest and yes you do need some time to check out please do all of those things but also like
2: realize that it doesn't take long to instill much oh, so listen. let me tell you something i think black children's book week ends march 2nd march 3rd i'm ready to talk about this and get it popped. we can have this pop in by don't
0: the play spray, with me by the
2: summer. <laughs> i'm so serious the way that i would be like one minute got an idea the next minute is is launched that's 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 my gift now I'm gifted at that now building foundations and all that nitty-gritty that's not me that's not my that's not my ministry like, but the idea but idea <laughs> launching ideas mm-hmm.
0: that's me I'm here for it I'm absolutely yeah. here for it I want to thank you so much for your time today thank um and you thank, thank you, you so much for me. this conversation and yeah guys we'll come back um I got more well the rest of the stuff I have to talk about is absolute foolishness. This was delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, Thank please you. tell everybody where we can, um, how we can support you and where we can follow you.
2: Sure. So, um, be sure to follow black children's book week on Instagram and go to blackchildrensbookweek.org to RSVP for events to check the calendar. I think there's something in Ghana right now, Canada, <laughs> the UK, um, Somebody messaged to say they're having an event in Vienna, Austria. I said, amen. Send
0: pictures.
2: Goodness a- I- gracious. Exactly. Send pictures. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I know there are a couple of events in Toronto. If you're in the Toronto area, okay. check that out. So yeah, check out the calendar. It has, you know, the person who's hosting it, the location, and you can register for events on our website.
0: This is amazing. I'm going to make sure I include all of those links in the show notes, and I'll be right back, guys. Wasn't she amazing? Like, she's so inspiring. Like, i just truly grateful to speak to Veronica. Um, Remember, you guys can support at Black Children's Book Week, um, Black Baby Books, and Box Out. Thank you so much for listening to this here podcast. Um, Thank you so much for your likes, your shares, your subscribes. Thank you guys for leaving the reviews. I know I asked you last week for my birthday or the week prior Um, if y'all could leave some reviews, uh, drop five stars and let the folks know what you think about the show. Um, I'm still asking for that. So y'all let folks know. And I appreciate for everybody who has been letting folks know, um, don't forget, I have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Whitney lease. That is P A T R E O N.com forward slash Whitney Lease. I have exclusive content over there and paywall free content over there. Um. I think that's it. I think that's all of the announcements for me. Uh, yeah. All right. I adore each and every one of you. Please stay well. Please stay safe. And peace, y'all.